0: Both of us talk at the same time since Bill. <laughs> well, we'll share it. I don't know how we do that, but we just fell out of a plane or fell off a plane, and that accounts for our appearance. And I was going to go up and get a tie. They said you didn't need it, so here we are, without ties. <laughs> but you know, uh, we look at that film. And I must say that we're having such a resurgence of interest in our characters, which have never gone away, with our videotapes, with the motion pictures we're involved in, with new series, that we're very thrilled to be able to appear here and answer your questions. Do you have anything to add to that, Willie?
1: Well, I I thought uh, it might be of interest to them to know, go back 50-odd years, when we first met at MGM. Uh, Joe came in from New York. I was here in Hollywood. We were both working in cartoon studios and met for the first time in a little bungalow off of the main MGM lot. We had uh, never seen each other or heard of each other before, but uh, before very long, we merged our talents and worked together as a team and that was the birth I think of Tom and Jerry well you know
0: I have to pick up this little anecdote so many people say how can you work together for 50 years and never fight so of course I jumped in on that I said we did fight the very first week And we haven't spoken since. (laughs) That's the only way you could ever last for 50 years. (laughs) Only when he wants to borrow money does he talk to me. (laughs) But right now, I'm downstairs in the building. And Bill moved up to the penthouse. And there's an intercom, which I don't use. And every now and then, he cuts in. And this voice says, Joe? So I look up. I say, yes, Lord? (laughs) And he's upstairs there somewheres. But I tell you, we don't start a meeting there. I know I don't. I don't know about you, but I don't start a meeting with our writers or people or anyone without having some fun or some jokes or some laughs. And I think that's what keeps us going. Because at this particular moment, we're busier and more involved with projects than we ever have been since the day we started back in 1939,
1: I think it was. Yes, right that's right. We first met in 37. Yeah.
0: So at this point, we're doing a uh, 50th anniversary with Turner Broadcasting, and I think you're going to see some unusual pieces of business because we're introducing the Hanna-Barbera, I should call it the Boston Pops, but it isn't. It's the Hanna-Barbera Symphony Orchestra, which is totally manned by our characters at every instrument. (laughs) And when when Victor Borga walks out to direct them, I think you're going to see some very funny pieces of business. Tell them about Italy.
1: Uh, Well, uh, I was going to to carry on from that, but going back to Italy, re- recently returned from a trip to Rome where we met with Rye Television. I think that is the government controlled television uh, circuit there in Italy. And we had, uh, they had been out here and in a discussion uh, there had been suggested a, a series of cartoons that we would work with Rye Television. The name of the series is Don Coyote and Sancho's Panda. Uh, And it is strictly for laughs. It's a comedy. And uh, we went to Italy to have this meeting with Rye. And uh, I think more important than anything else is they arranged an audience with. Joe and I with the Pope. No less. We were very impressed, and we got some photos, and we have had them framed. We were very proud of that. But we are now back in our Hollywood studios working on that series in conjunction with Wright television. Uh, In mentioning the feature uh, that we are working on, the Jetsons, Uh, which has been a giant undertaking for us. Uh, We have both been very much involved in the production of that and have spent uh, long hours at the studio, each of us involved in different aspects of the project. But uh, it is something uh, when you say, oh, gee, a lot of fun, animated cartoons, it is a very serious business and it requires a lot of patience a lot of talent with a very large number of people Uh, I think that one of the most important things that has ever happened to Joe and I is that we have been able to surround ourselves with a lot of fine artists writers musicians technicians that have made uh the success of our cartoons as we have made them in the past.
0: Well I tell you, when I must switch back to Italy because when the Pope walked over and held your hand and blessed the rosary someone gave me, and you looked into these blue eyes, I assure you there's never gonna be any more bad Polish jokes about the Pope, I tell you that. <laughs> Never again. but one of the charming things was that they had fifty children from about age four to age twelve in a choir as part of the show singing the theme songs in Italian. So if you ever heard if you ever heard school la lala" in Italian. And then Flintstone, and so I love Flintstone. I mean, it was fantastic. <laughs> we were, we really fell over on that. And they were charming and delightful. And they just sent <laughs> us a tape of that. And we're running it for our people. And it's, it was a big thrill. So anyhow, we are heavily involved with, uh, to give you a quick rundown, we're doing a major feature. Jetson's fully animated. We're doing a co-production with Spielberg, Steven Spielberg on the Flintstones live. We're doing Johnny Quest live. We're going to do a live version of Jetsons. We're doing a animated feature with the Spielberg people called We're Back. And we just made a deal two weeks ago for the Green Hornet, which I've been babying along for three years and we just started production on that so that's aside from many many other things that we're doing and we're both tickled that we're that involved Bill's quitting every two minutes you know. <laughs> but we, we don't I've only retired 14 times now we can go on and on and on but I don't think we have that time are there any questions and then maybe we'll get back with you again
1: is that about right? Does anybody have any know? questions at all When when you first designed the the Jetsons did you have any idea that the things that you were foreshadowing you know like the that they could see each other on the TV screens and that the that they were flying around little cars
0: that they were possibly going to come true within you know before the u 2000
1: Well I think we were a little lucky to be that far ahead of our time but uh It did turn out that a lot of the things that did appear in the early Jetsons did come into being. But uh, uh, I I would think we we just lucked out. Well, the Jetsons now, what we're
0: doing now is giving them more dimension. And the challenge that we have in the future is that when we did the original series, which was 25 years ago, We created a lot of things that we thought were way out. Well, they all happened practically. Now we're going 50 years or 100 years further and creating a lot of things which we think are going to get some pretty pretty good laughs. Mainly, our apartments, our living quarters, are mounted hydraulically on lifts. And when you have smog, you just rise up above the smog. (laughs) That's one of our, and we have a parking gimmick that you've never seen before, and if we work on that, we're not going to have any more parking problems. This is amongst a lot of, and a very serious environmental problem shows up that we solve, so we're doing a lot of those kind of things.
1: My name is Jamison Rounds from Pierce, South Dakota. Um, As I watch your cartoons, they're funnier now than they were when I was little, and I was wondering if you really intended them for older people instead of just little kids (laughs) you mean that the old cartoons were the funniest they're all the funniest as I look at them now Uh well I think going back uh, to the Tom and Jerry uh, days uh, those cartoons the kids enjoyed them but we really had an adult audience in mind Uh, not old adults i'm talking now about people like you out there in the audience and they were made i think for a group very much like we're talking to right now i can remember tom and jerry uh when we would preview a show uh it seemed to us that the harder they hit the louder they laughed and the more hits the more laughs yeah well Well, i tell you the uh um we
0: never really stopped and said, well, these are for children, these are for middle-age brackets. And they, we just made what we thought were funny cartoons. Like when I presume when Laurel and Hardy made their shows or the Marx Brothers, they just did what they thought was terrific entertainment. So we never lost a child, and we appealed to everybody. And we, we're getting back into that again, by the way, right now. we just started a new series of Tom and Jerry cartoons to be made in the theatrical version and it's the beginning of 13 half hours. It will lead to 65 half hours and we also just finished a major Tom and Jerry feature and the story is wonderful and we hope to have that into work shortly. So we're I think the wheel has gone around completely and we're back to what maybe you were talking about.
1: My name is Jack Chen from Culver City, California.
0: Um, Sometimes in Tom and Jerry cartoons, I would see Chinese writing. Um, Also, Jerry would dress up like an Oriental or the end would be written
1: in Chinese. I was just wondering how this Oriental influence got into the cartoons. Uh, I can't really answer that. We would go along developing material and if a if a situation came up that we thought would add something to the cartoon if it called for that or if we felt that that would enhance the the, the comedy and and the 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 quality of the cartoon why we would use it in we what we hoped was an amusing way
0: well when we were doing the original tom and jerry cartoons we never had a script all the all the cartoons were done in sketch form, which is kind of storyboard form. And a lot of the gags would come right out of the picture. Now, for instance, to give you a very simplistic example, a title came up, The Bowling Alley Cat. You go, well, what can you do with that? So we let it ride. Finally, we got back to it, and talking visually, If you open a scene in a bowling alley late at night and you move on in to the bowling ball up on a rack, and then up out of one of the finger holes comes Jerry yawning, he just woke up, that's the beginning of an idea. Because around the corner comes Tom, and the mouse sees him, ducks back, and then his thumb comes in and he squeegees around, picks up the ball, and throws it down the alley. And that's off and running with the cartoon and the gags that that came out of the bowling alley.
1: Joe forgot to mention that the thumb stuck in the hole, oh, yeah. and Tom went down the alley with the ball, and that was the first strike of the evening. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my name is Guy Borgo. I'm from Laconia, New Hampshire, and I was just wondering. I mean, you've created so many characters. Did you get these characters from people you met uh, or from people you? you knew, or what, was it all created in your minds? And some of the scenes, some of the themes, you know, did they come from personal experience, or did you just create it? Well, I, I think uh, that live people has certainly influenced uh, the character of some of our characters, uh, but certainly not all of them. Uh, attitudes, uh, we have talked about attitudes of, of Laurel and Hardy or some other uh, comics, but generally it comes out of the uh, hand of the artist without, uh, it's it's more what you think the character should be rather than who it should be. Yeah.
0: Well, there's been a lot of, there's been comment that the Flintstones are the honeymooners. So if they are, then we couldn't have used a better example because the honeymooners are the best things I've ever seen. The only thing the honeymooners didn't have was a Stoneway piano or a polar Rock camera <laughs> or they never had Ann marg Rock as a guest and Carrie Granite as a guest. That's where we had our fun and that was the window dressing. And I got to tell you something interesting. When the suggestion came to do a primetime animated series which no one had ever done after many, many, many weeks and weeks of artwork. Bill and I used to work in the same room. We finally zeroed in on cave days, and once we got into those gimmicks of the Sunway piano and the, and the animal used to chew the lawn instead of mowing the lawn, and we had a little pigosaurus under the sink to, was a garbage disposal, those gags began to take off. But when we went to sell the show, And I remember I was in New York eight weeks trying to sell this show. I went to every every client, every network, every possibility. Everybody loved it, but everybody was kind of afraid of starting on this new direction. Because I was in a hotel right off Central Park, and I saw the snow go, and I saw the ice melt, I saw the swans come back, I saw the trees budding. Nothing happened till the very last day when ABC bought the show. Now we struggle through weeks of trying to make it, and we release it, and the first show went on, and the review came out in Variety. Oh, boy, this hurt. It said, this is a pen and ink disaster. <laughs> so the disaster ran for six straight years at nighttime, and we were delighted, you know. Thank you.